0: are listening to the life community church sermon podcast life community is a church for the city making much about the name of christ this podcast is available through all major platforms including spotify apple podcast and google podcast if you enjoy and are challenged by our teaching we invite you to subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you choose as we seek to anchor ourselves to the unchanging truth of god's word together thanks for listening Life Community Church. Good morning. One of my biggest fears every time I preach is that I'm going to stand up here way too long, and just like during the little bumper thing, and I have to say, I got that time in just about perfect. That was that was good. This is a good start. I like this. All right. So, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Life Community Church. Uh, if you're new here, or maybe uh, maybe you forgot since last time you were here, but we are a church for the city making much about the name of Christ. We seek to do that in four primary ways. One is practice love with everyone always. Two is give more than makes sense. We want to chase after the likeness of Christ in every area of our life and then anchor ourselves to the unchanging truth of God's words. Those are the four things that are most important to us as a church, as a body of Christ. Um, We seek to do those things in every way that we can. Uh, have a few announcements, and you also notice uh, Pastor Steve is not here today. Um, Pastor Steve and Nikki had their baby. I'll be reading an update from them uh, here shortly. Um, but the few announcements, yes, that is. Praise God for that. Very thankful that little baby, uh, I do not spoil it. I'm going to wait to read the name until I read the actual, say the name until I read the actual thing, but very happy uh, that the baby's here and continue to pray for them. I um, have a few announcements. One is we do have additional seating. Um, it does get a little crowded in here sometimes when we're trying to spread out a little bit. Um, so maybe you'd like to come back, but would like a little bit more space. We have overflow in the youth room, um, a little bit closer than the uh, lounge or the place where the donuts used to be. I don't know what that's called, but it's the, for, the spot formerly known as the donut spot uh, used to have the overflow over there, now it's over in the youth room, maybe a little more comfortable over there. Um, or if maybe you're like some people here, uh, not me, obviously not me, but other people who maybe get here a little bit late and find it hard to uh, find a spot to sit, we do have overflow over there. Uh, probably should have used it a couple weeks ago. Instead, we wandered around aimlessly for a few minutes looking for a spot to sit. But um, we do have that if you'd like to take advantage of that. Uh, another announcement is we have the Kahoot Quiz Night. Um, and maybe you're wondering what Kahoot Quiz Night is. Well, came to the right spot. I'm here to tell you. It's our first ever virtual game night, it's sure to be fun, with trivia questions for all ages. So be practicing this week, get ready. You can sign up individually or as a team with your household. You can text the word quiz to 260 824 2252. And again, that's 260-824-2252. If this counseling preacher thing doesn't work out, I'm going to do the voiceover for commercials. Uh, You can do that to register. Be sure to give us your email in the registration process. That will allow us to send you an email later with the Zoom link and all the instructions to play. So that sounds like it could be a fun night. we also, last announcement, I think, is the Life Community Church Prayer Wall. We have that up, up and available. And there's, um, there's an update from Pastor Steve and Nikki on there also, if you're interested in that. Um, but a good chance, good opportunity, good place to post any prayer requests you may have for your family or uh, prayers for the church. And just put those on there for us to be praying for. Um, yeah, those are all the official announcements I have. Now an update from uh, Steve and Nikki. Uh, Steve and Nikki gave birth to a baby boy on Thursday. Asa James was eight pounds three and seven tenths ounces. Uh, if you are new here, Steve is our lead pastor. In case you were wondering, um, there were some complications during labor. Uh, Nikki is healthy, but Asa is in the NICU. He was not breathing at birth and was with infection. He is currently in hydrotherapy treatment to cool his body. And allow healing. He has been there for the last 70 hours or so. He is responsive. ACE's vitals are in labs look good. The family is encouraged. But it's been hard because they have not been able to hold him yet. Um, again, Steve has posted a more in-depth message on a prayer wall. Uh, so you can please you can go there after service today and check that out too. And please continue to be praying for the family. But with that... Before we go any further, we're going to stop and pray for them as a church. So if you can join me in prayer, that'd be fantastic. Dear God, I thank you that you are amazing. I thank you, um, as your word so clearly states out, that your, your power, your might, your goodness, your love are all unfathomable to us. We can't even begin to understand the goodness of who you are. So God, we come before you now. As your sons, as your daughters, asking for our brother and our sister, Steve and Nikki, and our little baby Asa. God, we lift them up to you. We pray that you'd heal his body. God, I pray that you'd continue to give the doctors wisdom. I pray that you would help them to know what the best thing to do is in this situation. And God, I pray that you would continue to be with Steve and Nikki. Comfort them. We thank you for their leadership here at the church as our pastor and pastor's family. God, just lift, up, lift them both up to you now. Um, God, I want to thank you for the good news that I'm sure we'll hear in the future, and just pray that uh, you continue to do your good work. And we thank you and praise you for that. And for the service today, help me to speak your words. Help me not to mess up too much. And we thank you and praise you for it in your name. Amen. Amen. So we are jumping out of order a bit uh, in terms of that's the wrong note. In terms of uh, the Beatitudes, next was meant to be the meek. Um, but because we knew that uh, Nikki would be having a baby sometime in January, we set it up so that I would step in and preach whenever that might be. And the one that I picked, Steve sent me a list of a few to pick a few, few, a few of the Beatitudes. And the one that I picked is probably the one that I'm probably the most comfortable—or, sorry— I said that wrong. Most uncomfortable with. That's what I meant to say. There's a big difference between comfortable and uncomfortable, right? The English language is funny that way. Two little letters can change everything. It's, it's like an extra zero on something. Like It just boggles my mind how much you, one man can mess something up by doing that. Anyways, um, right, I picked the one that was probably most uncomfortable with me, and that was Peacemaker. Not always my natural disposition, right? But we know that it's something God has called us to do. He's called us to be peacemakers here and then throughout the Bible. But sometimes it's hard. Like, sometimes it's hard to be a peacemaker because sometimes, like sometimes, I, let me, I'll explain it this way. Have you ever been in a discussion with somebody? And sometimes that discussion turned into just a little bit of a disagreement. A disagreement's not a bad thing, but maybe somewhere along the line in that disagreement you realize that you were wrong. And you don't have to acknowledge that. Maybe nobody else has. Now, for some of us, when we realize that we're wrong, we say, ah, I was wrong. My bad. Like, you were right. I was wrong. Uh, let's, let's move on. Let's shake hands. Let's be brothers and sisters again. Sometimes, though, and I find myself do this more times than I should, Uh, Where we'll get some at some point in a disagreement and a discussion, I'll be like, I'm wrong. I should probably quit now. But also, there's this little voice in the back of my head that says, Let's just play this thing out. Like, let's just, let's see where this goes. Like, let's just keep this thing going, see how it ends. Like, maybe we'll come to maybe somewhere along the line, Adam, you'll convince yourself that you're right, right? So let's just. Keep going with this little discussion slash disagreement. That's what happens when you put the word discussion disagreement together. It becomes discussion. You're welcome. Uh, and we just keep going with it, right? Now, not all of us have that natural tendency. But we do have a natural tendency where we want to be right. right? We want to be right at all costs. And sometimes we get into situations where our primary goal is to prove That we're right Now sometimes Sometimes that might be a good thing Because sometimes when we're right We're also on the side of God And we're picking up discussions We're picking up conflicts We're picking up debates That maybe God does want us to pick up Maybe God does want us to stand for Him But sometimes We pick up discussions We pick up debates We pick up disagreements Really, just about us. We want to be right, right? Because being right is—it's kind of fun. At least, at least that's what I've been told. Doesn't happen to me very often, but I've been told that it's—it's it's fun to be right sometimes, and we we like that. But sometimes, like, sometimes there's a bigger purpose involved, right? Sometimes there's a bigger thing going on that God is trying to do that is way beyond us being right or wrong and about bringing glory to his name and good to his people. And I think as we go through this sermon today and as we talk about Jesus speaking about the Beatitudes and some other places where Jesus says some really powerful statements and then actually how he actually lives that out in his life, I think we'll see that when God talks about being a peacemaker, he's... He's talking about something bigger than being right or wrong or making people happy. He's talking about glorifying Him and advancing the cause of Christ and advancing the gospel in the world. And I think as we look out at what's in the world that we live today, we're reminded that that's vitally important. But a quick side note on that, the beginning of the, of the fiscal year, because at work that's how we do things by fiscal year, so that's when I start thinking about, okay, what I want to do in the year going forward, what kind of impact do we hope to make, and all of that stuff, and how are we going to do all those things? I started reading through the Old Testament again, it started in Genesis, and what I found reading through the Old Testament again in Genesis, and I haven't even got to Judges yet, world's been a messed up place for a long time. Like, it's been really crazy and really messed up for a really long time. And there's always been a need for God's people to be peacemakers and to glorify Him and to seek to represent Him well on the earth. And that hasn't changed since the beginning of time, really. It's been like that forever. And sometimes we're caught up in a moment, and that moment feels like, oh, this— This, like, this is the thing. Like, this is, this is, like, I don't even know what to do here. Like, we've never been in this type of place before. Yeah, maybe we've never been in a place like this before. And it's true. And that's not to minimize the frustration that we feel. But but also, like, God knows exactly what's going on. And this isn't God's first time through a chaotic situation in history. Like, it's kind of, kind of always been that way. Like, just... Tuesday, right? Like sometimes, like sometimes when people say like, aren't you really busy right now? Uh, I guess, but aren't we all always busy? Like, Like there's always a lot going on. So sometimes like when I say like, man, I'm really busy right now. Then I think about like my weeks and my months and my years, like when have I not been busy? Like, so when, at what point do I just say like this, I'm not busy. This is just, it's just normal. Like, this is just, what's going on? Like, and when, a, when, a, when a baby screams, like, oh, man, a baby's screaming. I can't believe that's happening. But it's kind of what babies do. Like, <laughs> they scream. Like, and that's okay. That's what they're supposed to do. Like, <laughs> that's okay. Like, and sometimes I wonder, if, as we're going through situations where we feel like, man, I really need to be a peacemaker right now, I wonder if God's kind of like, yeah, like, <laughs> I've always been that way. We always need to be peacemakers. See, see, to me, and maybe, maybe there's something wrong with me, but that's encouraging to me. Like it's encouraging me to think that, like, no, like God knows exactly what's going on. And this message, this truth that God laid out for us in the gospels that we'll be read today and throughout His Word is, it's always been true. Like it's never changed. There's never been a time where it's not been needed for us to anchor ourselves in the truth of God's word. That's never not been that way. And it'll never not be that way. We'll always need to anchor ourselves to this truth. So to me, that's encouraging. And Maybe maybe it's not to anybody else, but to me it is. But this idea of being a peacemaker, how does it actually work? Well, we'll talk about that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen, or if you're using your devices, Matthew chapter 5. We'll read verses 1 through 9, just a part of Jesus' sermon on the mount here. It says this, Seeing the crowds, he being Jesus, went up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. Some really powerful stuff here. But sometimes when I read the Bible, like I try to picture it like in my head. So I try to picture Jesus like actually sitting down on a hillside. Like, and I know we don't exactly know what Jesus looks like. Nobody snapped a Polaroid picture of him or there's no Facebook memory coming up about Jesus looked like this. That was a funny joke. I really thought that one was funny. That was a good one. I just thought of it just now, like nobody laughed. It's okay. It's fine. But like, there's no, we don't actually know what he looks like. But picture in, in my head, like how I imagine it might have looked like. It really helps me remember that this is all real stuff. Like these are things that actually happened. Like this isn't some like theoretical thing that somebody dreamed up and said, like, wouldn't it be cool, like, if somebody said this, and they wrote it down in a book, and they said it, but Jesus is actually sitting down talking about this stuff to actual people, and when I picture this in my head, like, I wonder if there are some of them where he just kind of lingered on some of the, some of the disciples for just a little bit longer, like, I wonder if they ever, like, blessed are the meek, and just kind of looked at the the disciples who were arguing about which one's better and who's going to be first in the kingdom, and just kind of stared at them for a minute awkwardly until they're like, yeah, sorry, Jesus. And then, they, and then he moved on. Or maybe he came, he came to, like, blessed are the peacemakers. And I wonder if, like, if John, like, right before Jesus said that, John kind of gave Peter a bit of a shove. And Peter was like, get off me. You know, kind of like siblings dukes, I don't know the way I picture. Like, if you read the Gospel of John, okay? And maybe, again, I think too much about these things and too, way too imaginative. Je- John's always referring to himself as the one who Jesus loved. Do you ever think maybe, like, Peter got tired of that. Like, yes, we know he loves you better. Like, it's fine. And my favorite is when—this has nothing—maybe it has something to do with something—but when John is recording the, the resurrection story, and he's talking about the one that Jesus loved, and Peter are racing to the tomb to see and to see what's going on, and John's like, and the one Peter—Jesus loved, loved—got there first, like— I'm faster. I just want everybody to know if Peter and I were racing each other, I'd win. I got there first. Also, Jesus rose from the dead. Like, those are all really important things I want everybody to know. Like, every, every immature guy or immature person who's ever been a race with anybody wants everybody to know that. Also, I can swim faster than my little brother. I want everybody to know that, too. Uh, But, like, these things, these are actual people, like, living in actual world. And as Jesus is reading this, I can't help but think, like, they're hearing this for the first time. And they're like, I mean, what does this, what does this even mean? Like, Simon, the zealot, who's a revolutionary, I've talked about them before. And Matthew, the tax collector who worked for the Roman government, like, Like you guys, like blessed are the peacemakers. Like this actually has implications for actual life, how we can represent God well by being peacemakers in the world and actually trying to do that with people that we actually disagree with. Because I can't imagine those original disciples never had a disagreement with each other. I can't imagine they never, ever, ever, ever got into a fight with each other about something. They got frustrated with each other they just really on each other's nerves. Like, they're people, like, just like us, who get frustrated and aggravated. Like sometimes people will say something, and we'll just be like, Ah, right? Maybe I'm the only one who does that. Sometimes when I watch sports on TV, I get really mad. And I just, I had to quit. Basically, we quit washing the Chicago Bears and just not care anymore because they're awful. It just frustrates me so much. It's just not good. But this is not just a theory about life. This is actual life that Jesus is talking about. And it kind of implies some things. And it implies that there will be, there will be conflict. Right? If there wasn't going to be conflict, we wouldn't need peacemakers, right? If everybody just got along with each other all the time, and we lived in this perfect, amazing world where everybody thought the exact same way we do, we wouldn't need peacemakers anymore. So Jesus, in the very fact, he's saying, Hey, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be the sons of God. They will be called the sons of God. He's letting us know, like, there's going to be some conflict. There's going to be some opportunity for you to be a peacemaker. And that word peacemaker, what exactly does it mean? Well, uh, I don't remember how to say the exact Greek word. I barely know how to speak English. But basically what it's implying is one of peaceful character. One who just kind of has a way about themselves that is just just Peaceful. Like, I almost get the sense that it's that person that just kind of puts everybody at ease. Like, when they walk in the room, and things can be just kind of tense and kind of chaotic and be like, oh, That person walks in and they're just like, ah. Like, that person may not know what they're doing, but there's this sense of peace about them. And I can't help but think in, in the Old Testament a lot, it talks about the, the Hebrew word that they use for peace most of the time is this word called shalom. It's this idea that not necessarily the absence of conflict or the absence of strife in, the, in your world, but the sense of that you're at peace with God. And regardless of what's going on around you, your at peaceness with God it can't be changed by the external circumstances around you. And I think perhaps that's the thing God is going for, Christ is going for, when he talks about blessed are the peacemakers, not just about making everybody around you happy, because that's not always making peace. That's just making people happy. And those can be two different things. You can work really hard to make everybody around you happy and actually create more strife and more conflict in your life and in their life in the long run. So I don't think that's the thing Jesus is talking about here. I think the thing Jesus is talking about here is that sense of like, regardless of what's going on around me, I can be at peace with God and with others. And also, he uses that phrase. He doesn't use this phrase anywhere else in the Beatitudes where he says, for they shall be called the sons of God. I think there's something really unique that when we are peacemakers and we are working to bring about being at peace with God, we represent him well because that seems to be his primary mission throughout his life. Like throughout everything Jesus did, there's this constant drive towards the cross where he was going to lay down his life so that those who are far from him, can, far from God can actually become close to God. Those that tried to become close to God through their own strivings and effort but could never obtain that. Because of the sacrifice of Christ, because of what Christ did, we can now be at peace with God. We can become the sons and daughters of God. That's the thing that I think God is, Christ is talking about here. I keep using that God, Christ. It's the same, so I don't know what I'm doing, so sometimes I get things confused. But that, like, that's what's going on here, I think. So again, that point of a... Does being a peacemaker mean my primary mission is to make people happy? I don't necessarily think so. To me, we'll scroll down a bit or turn a little bit, uh, depending on what kind of device you're using, to Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Okay, because if you're like me, you read certain parts of the Bible, and you read one section, and you think to yourself, but what about this over here? Like, and you kind of, like, and you just kind of, not that you're doubting the Bible, but you're just kind of curious, so how does all that work? And so I'll offer some thoughts on that. Jesus says this, do not think I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set man against, set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me, is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me, is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me, is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You first read that after Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, and then you read Jesus saying, I have not come to bring peace. Maybe inside your head or in your brain like me, you just kind of like, what? Like, so what are we even talking about here? Well, I think part of it is there in that last verse that I read, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I think part of it is a reminder of It's not about me. It's about Him. It's about glorifying Him. And that's the most important thing. And sometimes at the beginning, that can create just a little bit of conflict. That can create just a little bit of frustration and confrontation in our lives. When we see the truth of who God is, and we see the patterns of our own lifestyle... And how God calls us up to live more like him, to represent him more in the world, that creates a little bit of conflict in our lives, doesn't it? When the gospel changes somebody's life and they start to live differently, start to interact with others differently, that creates just a little bit of conflict in our lives. As I was thinking through this today and thinking about it through this week, I think ultimately the gospel brings us towards a greater degree of peace than we've ever known in our lives. That's the truth of what God does. That's who God is. God brings us into peace. He's the God of all comfort. That's what God does. But in the moment, it can create just some tension, right? Like we have a group in March that'll be going to the Atlanta area, working with people who are caught up in human trafficking, one of those people God changes their lives through the work that the group from our church and other volunteers are doing down there and they start to change their lives and they leave that lifestyle you can't tell me that's not going to create just a little bit of conflict in their life you can't tell me that there will be those who are frustrated by that and angry about that that's going to create a change for them now in the long run that change is it's glorious. It'll change their lives. It'll bring them to a greater degree of peace and comfort with themselves, with others, with God than they've ever known before. But it'll be hard to change that lifestyle. It'll be incredibly different, difficult. I've seen it in my own life, I've seen it in the lives of others. When you start to try to live for Christ and actually follow Him, can be difficult and uncomfortable at times. And sometimes, sometimes we need to do stuff like that. Sometimes we need to go into those very dark places and be God's light in those difficult circumstances and be willing to be a part of that conflict and be used by God and pick up that sword. The problem is Sometimes we pick up swords when we don't need to pick up swords. Like sometimes we show up with a sword when we don't need to show up with a sword. And that can be the difficult thing. For me, the times that I'm most likely to show up with a sword, when I don't need to show up with a sword, when I, need to just, I just need to be a peacemaker. I need to make sure I point people toward his. I'm not combating, you know, epic evil and saving people's lives from a life of modern-day slavery Most times when I do that is when I feel personally offended or when I feel like somebody's attacking me or my thoughts or my ideas. And then there are times like, how about I, where's that sword at? Like, how about I do that? And sometimes, if I'm being honest, I don't do this as much as I used to. I'll start looking through the Bible like, all right, what's a a good verse I can use? Like, God, give me a big one. Like, I need to win this argument. Like, gospel is not a weapon against others it's a weapon against evil and it changes people's lives but for me that passage that verse 39 of there whoever finds his life will lose it whoever loses his life for my sake will find it man it's a hard reminder to me that it's not about me it's not about me making myself look good. And if I'm going to be a peacemaker the way God's called me to be a peacemaker, I need to make sure that I'm not making it primarily about me, but about Him and seeking to honor Him in everything that I say and everything that I do. That's hard. It takes a lot of wisdom. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of... That idea of shalom, I'm just going to slow down, actually think about this for a minute and pray about this for a minute. But how does that work in actual life? Because I think part of what is going on here, God calls us to be peacemakers, but he also calls us to stand for him, right? And represent him well on the earth. How do we balance those two things? Well, fortunately, like we talked about in the beginning, this isn't, this isn't just some theoretical book of nice ideas. But his actual life. And there are examples of Christ. Actually living this truth. Of being the ultimate peacemaker. So turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Verse 1 is where we'll start. John chapter 8 verse 1. It says this. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him. He sat down and he taught them. Scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, been caught in sin. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law of Moses, or in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, but they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Like again, this is actual real life stuff, right? So Jesus is teaching his disciples, teaching his people. The Pharisees and the Sadducees bring this woman who had been caught in sin, kind of place her before Jesus and say, Jesus, what do we do here, Huh? The law says, stone this woman. They're trying to set Jesus up, right? In the background, if you're a Star Wars fan, you hear Admiral Ackbar saying, it's a trap. It's a trap. You're welcome for that. I know when you woke up this morning, I would love to hear a bad impersonation of Admiral Ackbar. I did it. You're welcome. Right? They're trying to set Jesus up. They're placing Jesus in the situation where this it seems like an absolute lose-lose, right? If he says, yes, the law of Moses says, so. That's, that's what the law says to do. Do the thing that the law says to do. Then the people look at Jesus and they say, he is unmerciful. He's not very nice. We can't follow this guy. But then if he says, no, no, no don't, don't do that. That's mean. We can't do that. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they can look at him and they say, Man, he's breaking the law. Nobody listened to this guy. He's a false prophet. And all the other accusations that they tried to make against him over and over again. So Jesus is in this difficult situation, right? Where he needs to to be a peacemaker. He needs to represent the truth of God's word well. He needs to represent the truth of who he is well. That his heart is to bring others back to God. He needs to do this in this very difficult situation. And he's in a spot... Or he could use the truth of God's word to smash his enemies on either side. He could come down hard on this woman caught in a sinful act. Or he could come down hard on the unmerciful Pharisees and Sadducees. He could do either one. Instead, he stoops down, starts drawing in the sands. Now, I've heard other preachers say things like, maybe he was writing out sins that other people did. I kind of picture Jesus drawing smiley faces. Just, I don't know why. It's it's comical to me. So I like to think of it that way. I don't don't know what he was doing, what he was riding in the sand. But the Bible just says he just stooped down, started riding in the sand. So he's in this spot. How is Jesus going to handle this besides riding in the sand, riding on the ground? Verse 7. And as they continue to ask him, don't, don't you love that picture? right? Jesus is there just kind of just making smiley faces or writing sinful things in the dirt. They just keep asking him. Just keep chirping at him. What are you going to do, Jesus? What are you going to do, Jesus? What are you going to do, Jesus? Right? Like somebody asking, can we get ice cream? Can we get ice cream? Can we get ice cream? But this isn't nearly as much fun as ice cream, right? Not an easy answer. Can we get ice cream? Sure. Let's go get ice cream. Right? It's just, just, man, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Does it ever feel like that? Like, has anybody else ever been in a situation like that? We're in a difficult spot. Should I do this? Should I go to that? And it just feels like in your head, there's this constant, just what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? How do I respond to this? How do I, how do I represent God well in this situation? But also, how do I make sure that I'm actually pointing people towards him and not pushing people away from him? How do I be a peacemaker in the situation? And you feel this stress and this tension start to rise up and you just, ah, right? That's the way I picture it with Jesus there. Just, what are you going to do, Jesus? Verse 7, he stands up. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, there's the mercy of that situation. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away. One by one. Beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman, standing before him. Ah, man, if for some reason, just imagining myself in, in her shoes, that situation. Man, your sins laid bare before everybody. The most horrible thing maybe she's ever done, I don't know. And it's just her and Jesus in that moment. Like all the mess, all the distraction. All the accusers, just gone. Just those two. The perfect peacemaker. Trying to bring this woman some peace. Can you imagine the turmoil she would have been in in that moment? Like, it, it's safe to assume that this was a Jewish woman who knew who knew the law. Like, who knew that, man, I'm, I'm done messed up. Like, this is it. We've had a good run of things, right? Here it goes. I probably, she probably wasn't thinking we had a good run of things, right? If she's in that situation, she's probably thinking, oh, man. Like, of all the ways I thought I'd, I'd leave this place, this is not how I imagined it. And then they're all gone. she her turn Jesus. I'm going to read verse 9 again. But when they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? I Almost imagine he's just acting like he's surprised. Like, "Ah, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. Where would everybody go? It was rhetorical questions. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. From now on, sin no more. Jesus could have made himself look really good in this situation. Could have lifted himself up on a pedestal of the law and said, yes. Follow the law. Stone this woman in his very judgy voice. Or he could have elevated himself in a seat of mercy and said no I absolve her of her sins she's free to go you guys are mean, go away he could have done either one of those things instead he handled it simply he handled it peacefully and in the end it was just him and her and again he didn't didn't make light of the situation didn't say it's not a big deal just, just just go. Sit no more. I'm not gonna lecture you. I'm not gonna beat you over the head with my word. Like, you know what's right. Just go. Just that that moment where he, he could have cast a stone. Like if you ever heard this message preached, you've heard somebody say that like he was the only one without sin. But his goal wasn't just to make himself look good. In that moment, it wasn't just to prove himself right or prove others wrong. His goal in being a peacemaker is pointing others towards God, pointing others to the truth of God's love for his people. And as we're living in this world, as we're seeking to be sons and daughters of God, I think in that beatitude of blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of God, I think that's what Jesus is going for. He's saying, I want you to point others towards me. I want you... Yes, like there will be times that that creates some conflict. But it's not about proving yourself right and proving others wrong. It's about pointing others towards me. And as I've been studying for this this week, and previous to that, it wasn't just this week, because I found out Tuesday I was preaching today. So known for a little bit. It's coming sometime soon. But as I've been preparing for this, just just over and over again, I feel God reminding me of all the times I've tried to make it about myself and try to make it about proving myself right. But here God is saying, just lay all that down. And that's the thing that when we actually do that, it brings us to a greater degree of peace in ourselves too. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to be right. Like that stress and that tension of being the guy who always has all the answers or being the woman who has all the answers all the time. I don't have to. My job is to represent him to the best of my ability. He'll sort everything else out. So as we go through the week this week, I just encourage you to pray about where those situations can point towards him. Whatever that might look like. Maybe that's having a hard conversation with a friend who's fallen away. Maybe it's just gracefully being somebody, being there for somebody who's struggling right now. Regardless of what that situation may be, what can we do to try to point people towards Christ to help them be at peace with God? And as we're doing that, find more peace for ourselves too. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for an opportunity to present your word. God, and I pray through everything that was said here today, all the songs that we've sang, all the burdens in our heart that we prayed for. I pray that people would see you. Help us all to see you. God, and if there are those here today or are still far from you, We haven't taken that first step of making peace with you, God, I just pray that you would just gently invite them in today. God, I pray that you'd help them to see your love today. And for each of us this week, as we sing this last song of praise to you, show us how you want us to be a peacemaker this week. In your name we pray. Amen.